All right, let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we ask that you would be present now and help us to unwrap your word and recognize the gift that you have given us in Jesus. And it's his, in his name that we pray, amen. So uh, Darren's community meditation got me thinking, um, who has chosen a Christmas tree yet? Who has a tree put up in their house? Yeah, a lot of us. Okay, we got a lot of trees up in our house. Who already has presents uh, placed under the tree? Yeah, some presents under the tree. Okay. Uh, do you remember how hard it was as a kid? You adults who raised your hand, you know, you already got presents. Do you remember how hard it was to wait to open those presents on Christmas morning? Like, that's borderline cruel to your children, putting them under there and then making them wait for it. I, I remember, uh, you know, the anticipate, the, the waiting and how agonizing it seemingly was. Maybe some of you guys, uh, if you remember back when um, you were a young kid, uh, some of you were the devious type of children that would uh, not wait. You know, I've heard some people, uh, some kids would be able to just barely unwrap the present when their parents aren't looking and and look and see what it is and then put it back so that no one knows, you know, and and, and then that kind of spoils the surprise. But at least you didn't have to wait to know what it is. You had to wait to play with it. Uh, I had another friend that um, uh, she would uh, take the cat and place the cat on top of the presents, and the presents are all you know in a pile, and so the cat would slip around and, and scamper off of it. And of course, her claws would open up the presents, and, and then it wasn't their fault. You know, they pointed their fingers at the cat. It's the cat who did it, and uh, you know because they didn't want to wait to see it. Now, me personally, I didn't use those two options. Um, I just got up really, really early when I was probably about five years old or so. Um, I could not wait till morning, and so I got up in the middle of the night. You, you don't really sleep when you're a kid on a Christmas night, very little. So I got up in the middle of the night, and I found this pedal tractor. Oh, it was a glorious pedal tractor. Um, I could do anything with that tractor on the carpet inside of the house. And uh, I had to put three or four miles on it around the kitchen and the living room before my mom and dad finally got up and made me get off and put it back under the tree. And I had to go back to bed and wait, you know, no sleeping, wait till morning before I could fire that pedal tractor up again. Oh, the waiting. Imagine with me just for a second um, how hard it must have been to wait for the first Christmas. It gets a little hard for us to wait for those gifts, especially as children, but think about it in terms of before Jesus, the waiting for the Messiah. How difficult must have that been? Had that been? If you read through the Old Testament, uh, you'll find hints that God is giving the people about a Messiah to come. Uh, He he would speak through the prophets. And the prophets would tell the people what the Lord is saying. You know, there there will be a Messiah. Uh, Someone is coming. A king is coming to deliver you from this uh, imperfect world. Savior. 
the Messiah would be sent. And God's people, oh, they were so excited. As you read through the pages of the Old Testament, they were looking forward to Christmas Day. Although they didn't know it was Christmas Day, but they were looking forward to the Messiah coming. And then, at one point, the word stopped. The hint of the coming Messiah stopped. There was no more prophets speaking for 400 years. 400 years. The folks heard nothing of the Messiah. People were thinking, boy, did we do something wrong? Were we caught trying to open the gifts early and now we've been put on the naughty list? No more Messiah? Israel is probably thinking that God was finally fed up with them. On the other hand, maybe, maybe the silence sharpened their desire for a Messiah. Maybe it increased their longing for relief. Longing. Think about that. You guys know what it's like to long for something. All year long, me and my girls, we long for eggnog because it's only sold in the store during the holiday season, as far as we know. And, and I know you can make it, and sometimes we do, but, but eggnog is delicious, and we long for it. Uh, but that's not what kind of longing we're talking about. We're talking about a longing that's deeper, that is, is more uh, monumental, more important, that stirs deep within your soul, a longing. Now, there's two types of longing that we can have. Uh, the first one is a general longing, and the second one is a personal longing. So a general longing, a longing for something, uh, would be a longing for God to fix the evil around us. You know, peace on earth, having everything be fixed. Uh, a longing for God to stop all the nonsense, like the government trying to play God and regulate morality, like the current culture trying to reset the standard of what is right and what is wrong. You know, our government seems to want to force us to accept the opposite of God's word. They actually can never force you or force me into believing that sin is actually right. But they still try. Oh, thinking about all that, it just gets you frustrated. And if, if you feel that way too, uh, you're not alone. We're not alone in feeling this general longing for God to fix it all. Habakkuk wrote, one of the prophets of old, he wrote in his book, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry. But you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds 
Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. In the second chapter, first verse, Habakkuk says, I will climb to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. How long, O Lord? Sounds kind of like what we feel like, what we would say. How long does this have to go on? All the violence and the evil. When will it stop? And here's the Lord's reply. What the Lord tells Habakkuk in in verse 2 of the second chapter. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It seems slow in coming. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. That's a general longing. Habakkuk here says it would be so good if everything would be fixed. And God says, Don't worry, it seems slow in coming, but wait patiently. It's going to happen. A general longing. Now what about a personal longing? Longing for God to fix the struggle within us. This is a longing inside of us. It could be described as things like sorrow or depression or maybe anger. Feelings that are deeply within us. Psalms chapter 13 gives us a good example of a personal longing. Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful, oh that's 12. Let's do 13. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. That's an example of personal longing. Now, how do we deal with this longing? The the general longings and the personal longings. How do we deal with it? Psalms chapter 27 verse 14. Wait patiently. For the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Do you get the picture here? Wait patiently. I know we don't like it. 
Nobody wants to wait. I don't want to wait for Christmas morning to open my gifts. And and I don't want to wait for Jesus to come back. The Israelites, they didn't want to wait for a Savior. The Lord says, wait patiently. Be brave and courageous while you're waiting. Wait patiently for the Lord. Let me remind you that the God said at just the right time. The timing is his and he knows when is best and he knows when the time is right at just the right time. We can trust the Lord's timing. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. When the right time came. Isaiah chapter 9 Verse 6 through 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Jesus is the gift that is meant to satisfy our longing. And it's the only gift that will satisfy that longing. But but there's something about this gift. We must receive the gift. We have to receive it. Let's look at some people in Scripture who received the gift of Jesus. Now first, obviously, we would have Mary and Joseph. They are the two prominent figures in uh, Jesus' birth story. And so Mary, um, the angel came to her and told Mary, hey, you're going to have a baby and that baby is going to be the Son of God and We can't even imagine what is going on in Mary's head at this point. That must have been so crazy for her to hear that. Um, She could have said all kinds of things, you know. Oh, and she did. She said, "Oh, surely, surely not me." And and the angel said, "Yes, you." And here's how Mary responded. She said, "I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true." Mary received the gift of Jesus. Before he was even born, she recognized it and received him. Now Joseph, Joseph almost didn't receive it. Remember, he was about to uh, divorce Mary. They were betrothed, and she, he was about to uh, get rid of her without making a big deal out of it. He's ready. To, I, I'm out. He says. He was about to do that, but then the angel came to him as well. And you know what the angel said. He said, Joseph, do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son, and you are to give them him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And well, Joseph, he did as the angel said, and he took Mary as his wife, named the boy Jesus. Joseph received the gift. He recognized Jesus and received the gift. How about the shepherds? 
Here we have some, some country folk, some uh, fellows who are rough and tough outside, uh, working with animals and fighting off the, the predators. And the shepherds, they were staying in the fields, and the angel of the Lord came to them and said, Hey, there is a Messiah, the Messiah, the Lord. He has been born today in Bethlehem. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And you know what they said? They said, no way. No, they didn't say that. They said, they said let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried up to the village. They went there as quickly as they could, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there he was laying in the manger. They told everyone after that what had happened, about what the angels told them, about how it was actually true. They saw it with their own eyes. They received the gift of Jesus. They didn't just just, uh, notice it, recognize it, but they received it because they went and told everyone else about it. This is the real deal. And then there was Simeon. You remember uh, Simeon? He was the, the uh, fellow. We, we, we often call him you know, a prophet. He was, he was inside the temple. He was a righteous, a religious man. And uh, the Lord had told Simeon beforehand, before Jesus was born, he said, Hey, Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Messiah. You won't die until you see him. So if, if we put ourselves in his shoes, sometimes we think, boy, if I was Simeon and I'd heard that the Messiah was born, I'd be walking around like, I don't want to see him because I'm going to die. <laughs> um, like, like so Jesus over there? No, I'm going to go the opposite. don't want to see Jesus. because But that's not what Simeon was like. See, there seems to be some different understanding going on here. I mean, who wants to live in this evil world forever? I mean, sometimes life is good. We can have good days. But forever and ever, when there's something better, something perfect, so much better we can't even comprehend, we don't want to stay here forever. Simeon recognized that, and he didn't want to stay here forever. And here's how he responded when he seen Jesus. He says, I have seen your salvation, Lord, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. That's what Simeon said. And he said, now let your servant die in peace. Because he received the gift of Jesus. He knew what Jesus meant for his life. He was excited about it. Now, how about the wise men? Yeah, they seen the old star from a long ways off, and they followed that star, and they followed it straight to the place where the newborn king was. And did they receive him? Well, they recognized that that was Jesus, and they had the precious, the precious gifts that they were bringing to give the Messiah, the king of kings, and they gave them to the new King Jesus. They received Jesus. Now, on the contrary, a fellow named Herod did not. King Herod did not receive Jesus, the gift. Oh, he recognized 
He recognized, the scripture says in Matthew chapter 2, that he was deeply disturbed when he heard about Jesus from the wise men. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of, of the religious law. And he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him all about it. And he recognized this Jesus enough to know that this newborn king was a threat to Herod's, to his own throne. It was a threat. Jesus is a threat to evil. And Herod recognized that, and he didn't like it. So he did not receive Jesus because how did he deal with it? Oh, he rejected it because he decided to take out all, all the boys in that region hoping to kill the Messiah. Savior took him out. He didn't receive him like the shepherds or like Joseph or Mary or Simeon or the wise men. He rejected. Folks, we must receive the gift of Jesus. Jesus is kind of like kind of like getting batteries for a gift on Christmas morning. Now what do I mean by that? Um you ever get socks or underwear? Um, these kind of things, they're good. We need those things. Everybody needs socks. Um, and so you get them, and you should be grateful for it. But it's not that thing you know, that uh, you've always wanted that you can get excited and worked up about. Um, you want something that's really cool, and the socks you can buy yourself. Like I don't know why it makes a difference. We could buy the good stuff ourselves and uh, let somebody give us the socks. It doesn't really make a difference, but we want something that uh, is not just normal, everyday, and practical. And I'm not saying that's what Jesus is, but when we get batteries... When I get batteries, I'm like, what am, what am I use batteries for? You know, sure, I have a flashlight that's almost dead, but, but I'll go, I'll go buy the batteries. Uh, the batteries are boring. Someone like uh, my son Flint, now he would get wound up about batteries. See, he's got a whole stack of, of RC cars and, and toys and things that need batteries that don't work, and they need life put inside of those. And if he has batteries, then he's going to have like five or six like new toys that he hasn't been able to play with because now they have batteries, now they have juice, and they'll work now. Some people recognize the gift of Jesus. They recognize instantly, oh, praise the Lord, because now we have been saved from sin. Now this life is not the last. Like Simeon says, now there's someplace, someplace better to go. But some people don't recognize them as Recognize Jesus as the gift that he truly is. What do you do with Jesus? He is the ultimate gift. What do you do with him? If you get batteries for a gift, you use them. Otherwise, I mean, you don't let them go to waste if... if you don't use them, then they're not doing anything for you. On the other hand, Jesus has done something for you. But you have to receive this gift. And, and receiving the gift is one of the biggest parts of receiving the gift is anticipation. The idea of, of anticipating 
the gift that we have received and using it. Now, what, is, what does that mean, anticipating? You know, we've spoke a little bit about waiting. Wait patiently. The Israelites, the, the people of God, they had to wait for the Messiah to come. And then Jesus came. He was born of, uh, of a virgin Mary. And then they had the Messiah. They were waiting. Scripture tells us to wait. But there's a little bit of difference here in anticipation, in anticipating. And I don't know what the true definition is, but, but here's what I think. Um, imagine a dog sitting on a front porch. When you're not at home and your dog's waiting for you to come home, he's sitting on the front porch and he may be howling. My dog was howling last night and he doesn't really know how to howl, but uh, he was making this mournful noise. Did you hear him, Jesse? He's making his and imagine your dog sitting on the on the porch, just mournfully longing for you to come home. Now, when you pull into the drive and you uh, are in sight of your dog, what's he start doing? He jumps up and he's a wagging his tail and he's running back and forth in the yard barking and yipping. No more mournful howling. He is excited. He's anticipating you getting out and petting him or probably telling him down, down, you know. But he's anticipating that interaction with you because he loves you and you are his life. This is the difference between waiting. Man, we can wait, but wait doesn't sound like such a fun thing. But we can anticipate Jesus coming back again. So already came for us. He already lives within us. But there will be a day when Jesus will come back and He will fulfill what Haggai was talking about in his general uh, desire of wanting everything to be better. Jesus will come back and that will happen. And we can anticipate this with our tails wagging, with tongues flopping, and, and being so excited that we can't hardly help ourselves. Jesus is a gift that we have to use every day. How do we use Jesus? Well, actually it's more like we let Jesus use us. Because normally when we deal with everyday life, we can't be that so excited dog who's just shaking with excitement all the time, wagging our tails. We can't be that on our own power, so we have to let Jesus use us and be fulfilled with the things that he's using us to do. And then we be excited about it and we have joy and we have to love it. We have to love this gift that we have been given by God. Cherish it. How many of you got gifts, you know, and you carry it around every day and you're just always so happy about it? Uh, I got a wheelbarrow for Christmas one time. And you may think, well, that, that's not great. But I love that wheelbarrow. My dad got it for me. I use it every day to haul wood. I use it to do all kinds of stuff. And it's been rusting here lately. And I want to I wanna, uh, sand it and paint it. I want to take care of it because I use it all the time. It's that kind of gift. How much more is Jesus a gift to us that we can carry with us every day? He lives within us. And we can, we can you know, use Him to help us to be happy, uh, to deal with the anger and the sorrow and the depression and uh, the conflict and the hurt. He's there to help us. we got to... Use Him, let Him use us, and most of all, anticipate. 
look forward to how He will continue to give to us every day. We anticipate the ultimate, the ultimate level of gifts, being able to live with God. Live with Him day in and day out where everything is perfect in heaven. Oh, remember what Habakkuk said about climbing up to the watchtower in, in the first verse of Habakkuk chapter 2. It's, he says, I will climb to my watchtower and stand at my guard post and there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how He will answer my complaint. There's something about that. The watchtower, you know, standing at his guard post. Isaiah says something familiar uh, along those lines. Uh, Verse 8 of chapter 52, The watchmen shout and sing with joy before their very eyes. They see the Lord's returning to Jerusalem. Look at that. The watchmen. The watchmen. The same idea as Habakkuk. Habakkuk is talking about there's someone standing there anticipating the coming of the Lord. And when he comes, they're going to shout and sing for joy because before their very eyes, they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem, returning. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all the nations, all the ends of the earth will see the victory of our Lord. Folks, this scripture right here, if, if this doesn't make you joyful and want to sing songs and be so glad of what has happened and have the victory, then I don't know what does. All the ends of the earth will see the victory. You see, the first time Jesus came to us. He came to us in a gift. started out as a little baby. But the next time, the next time we get to go with Him, He has prepared a place for us. And we get to go to that place. Now we can't go, we can't go unclean though. It's a place that's perfect. And it can't be contaminated by sin. You imagine a, a, a hospital, a, a room where surgery takes place. And you can't go in that room where they're having surgery, um, even if you're a doctor, unless you have been um, decontaminated, unless you have been disinfected. So that you know you're clean, and when you go in there, you don't spread disease or any uh, germs or bacteria. We're not clean because we have sin in our lives. Boy, we know though the way to get clean. Jesus tells us in His Word that it's a free gift the gift of salvation, that He died for us. And all we have to do is accept Him, to believe in Him, to put our faith that He is the Son of God. And the reason for His coming is that so we can be clean. And so we can go to Jesus. We can go to heaven because we've been cleansed of all our sin. It's a free gift. If you accept the gift of Jesus... 
then you can look forward with anticipation the heavens opening up to receive you. You can see God in all His fullness and live with Him. I think we should shout and sing for joy because of that. Because the Lord is not only returning here, but this time He'll take us with Him. And that's the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me now? Father God, we are so grateful for the gift of Jesus, so grateful for the gift of of being saved because of what He did for us on the cross, raising up again to life. Lord, we wait with anticipation. We accept this gift and we anticipate the day when we'll get to be with You. Oh, glorious day when we get to leave all this evil behind. Lord, we are grateful for the Holy Spirit and You being part of us, among us now, so that even though it's evil now, God, we get, we get Your peace. We go through the battle of every day knowing that You came for us and that You're still here, Lord. Lord, we pray so thankfully you would continue to guide us and show us your will. In Jesus' name we